we are in the condition we are in, in the state of ignorance we are in, in the state of war, in the state of economic depression, in the state of depletion of the resources of our planet because of the greed of psychopaths who thought they could create their own reality. Well, look at the reality they created. You're listening to Stop Talk Radio, the world for people who think. Together with Joe Quinn and Jason Martin, Juliana and Laura, we're going to be talking tonight about a topic that we've covered a lot of times before and that really cannot get enough coverage. So um, we're going to have on, he's not with us just yet, but the author of a book that we came across recently called The Empathy Trap, Breaking Free from Psychopaths, no, excuse me, that's the the, the title, sorry, is The Empathy Trap, Understanding Antisocial Personalities. Uh, it's co-authored by Jane, Dr. Jane McGregor and Tim McGregor. And we're going to have Tim on with us today to discuss his research. Um, Tim McGregor is a freelance consultant, writer and trainer. He's also been a mental health practitioner in the UK. And uh, Dr. Jane McGregor, co-author is a lecturer at the University of Nottingham in the UK. And before we get into their book, I think I should start by saying that it's um, it's a really good summary of a lot of things that... I thought there was a wide coverage of yeah. like the core concepts. I mean, you, you have to read, like say, for instance, four or five books, and, and they'll say all the different things. So it kind of brought a lot of stuff together. Uh, from what I looked at. Yeah, exactly. Now, our listeners are going to be more familiar with, we've used the term psychopaths yeah. uh, to describe the, the, the conditions that people have. Right. Now, the authors of this book have uh, preferred to use the term sociopaths. Well, the rose by any other name would, would smell just as sweet type of thing. So, I mean, in a certain sense, we're obviously trying to talk about some sort of phenomena um that's some sort of phenomenon in this case sorry <laughs> forget my greek um that's going on here in the world that we're noticing that there are certain types of people and we're having a lot of trouble finding a name for them and i don't think that the the psychological sciences are being very very rigorous about the terminology and and that's been something that's been complained about very yeah. often, you know, that, you know, people just sort of coin terms willy-nilly and even, you know, the, the term psychopath, it, I find it kind of like a little bit of an obscene term to talk about those type of people by saying that they suffer from mind pain. That's a little bit weird. Yeah, it's kind of what it would directly translate to. But um, the authors, Tim and Jane McGregor, do point out at the beginning of their book that they're not uh, – that they acknowledge that there is this confusion over definition, right. and rather than try to, you know, get really deep into that, right. they do describe the essence of what the same illness is. Right. Psychopath, sociopath. Yeah, in the end, that's that's the most important thing. I think that a lot of people get uh, caught up on minutia and details, 
and they sort of refuse to have discussions with you. They prefer to argue semantics or some definition thing when you're talking about some sort of real phenomenon that exists, and then therefore, if you don't use the right term, then they'll spend hours and hours with you. I think they're I, I think they're using the term psychopath or sociopath rather, because they're not talking exclusively about psychopaths. Right. They're including several other types of disorders under this umbrella, all of which basically have uh, the, the, the same or share many of the same traits. But ultimately, the the encounter with any one of these personality disorders has pretty much the same effect, follows pretty much the same course. They behave pretty much the same way because they they share certain traits the main one being uh lack of empathy exactly and hence hence the title of their book their point being that empathy is what is lacking and what they lack as they explain in the book is what can help the rest of us right to, well to they deal also with the talk about you know the empathy trap as being the fact that a person is empathic, has empathy, makes them a target, makes, makes them, them vulnerable. Basically, makes them vulnerable. They fall into the trap of their own nature because they they do have feelings. They uh, you know they do feel empathy, and this makes them susceptible. Well, which is probably why you know the, the effects and the methodology of them is is so similar. It's not because there's something similar about them. It's because they're similar about empathic people. Their weaknesses are rather consistent across the board. Uh, the ways to manipulate them seem to be consistent and seem to be something that certain types of people study and attempt to exploit. Yeah, I think at this point now there are there are there's some how do you say there there are tracks now that are well worn by people who are onto this problem, right. and they, those who do grok the essence of the problem right. um, home in on the same essential points, right. and it's good for them that you know they will not be drawn into an argument about how exactly to identify them right. or how exactly to define the problem because first they right. put their hands up and say we acknowledge that this is a very very difficult problem it's it's a new it's a new problem for most right. people right. okay so we're going to go on we're going to try and get uh, Tim McGregor on the phone right now we were having a bit of a problem earlier on um, so we will just go ahead Okay. The number you have dialed has not been recognized. Not been recognized? There's a problem with the phone number. Okay. Um, Well, in any event, let me talk about this book. Hand over here. I think it was probably a couple of months ago we got an email from uh, Jane McGregor, and she told us about her book and asked us if we'd be interested in talking to her about it. And we told her, well, sure, but we'd like to read the book first. So in due course, the book arrived. It's not a very big book. It's a small book. Um, and I sat down and read it pretty much in an afternoon. And of course, you know, you know, most of you listeners who know me know that I've read probably every book on psychopathy that 
in existence, and I've read endless case studies and other personality disorders, narcissism, uh, you know, any kind of cluster B as they refer to them in the U.S., but I'm sure that they have a different uh, <clears throat> nomenclature in the U.K. But in any event, as Jason just mentioned a little while ago, it uh, really covers a pretty broad spectrum of concepts extracted from numerous books. And it, I mean, despite its smallness, they don't get bogged down in trying to uh, describe every characteristic or give you case studies of psychopaths or different personality disorders or arguing over the um, designation of the disorder or, you know, how to diagnose, that sort of thing. Uh, they give you a profile, of course, which, you know, hits the high marks, and then they move on to, hold on here, let me put my glasses on so I can see what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I've got the book right here in my hand, and in his, in their profile of the psychopath, they've got, first of all, superficial charm. Uh the sociopath, and remember, they're talking about numerous types of pathological disorders that they're covering under an umbrella here, uh, usually has a lot to say. Uh, a conversation with a sociopath can feel like being bombarded. Uh, the main thing about the sociopath is is that all of their pronouncements are very authoritative. They know absolutely anything about everything, and they know the absolute bottom line truth, and nobody else can gainsay anything they say. Or if they try, they do that faux kind of, you know, that faux kind of, oh, I could be wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong. but And then, you know, of course, you can't uh, in a certain sense. Because they don't allow you. It's kind of very facetious. Because the, the, minute you, the minute you suggest that they might be wrong, then you get the next <laughs> layer of bombardment. Mm. Um, they use words and phrases intended to make them sound knowledgeable, right. but which, if you dissect their terminology or their sentences, they prove nothing more than gobbledygook. Uh, This peculiarity in their mode of expression can be exacerbated by the use of muddled up phrases and mixed metaphors. Mm. And this is one of the characteristics of these types of personality disorders, and there are a lot of theories about it. The McGregors don't go into those theories because this is not uh, a a big examination of personality disorders. It's about the empathy trap. Um, Sociopaths also come across as very charming the first time you meet them. And in the beginning of any kind of dynamic or relationship, they go out of their way to please you. Um, They use flattery, and they do a lot to draw you in. Uh, They're called social chameleons. This is why a lot of people get taken in by them, because it's hard for them to believe that somebody who is so friendly so charming, so talkative, so uh, basically all of these things that make them a an interesting partner in social conversation, that they really are dangerous. Uh, he says, targets often later remark that they were overwhelmed by the sociopath's charm offensive. He may seem larger than life, a go-getter, a hero, an adventurer. They're grandiose. Uh, They have smooth conversation. 
And when you're in their presence, you feel that you're in the presence of someone who is very special, a superhero type of person. Mm-hmm. Uh, they usually make ordinary people feel boring and insipid, and these people want to attach themselves to this hero because it makes them feel like you know there's something in their life that's more exciting. So they go on to say some, you know, describe some of the other traits of the sociopath, the need for the stimulation. Uh, They need constant stimulation. They become bored easily. Um, Their heads are not full of the kinds of emotions that distract the rest of us. Uh, They have a very limited emotional range and are noted for their shallowness and fleeting attachments. They have a parasitic lifestyle. Uh, to someone targeted by a sociopath with strong parasitic tendencies, it can feel quite literally as if life is being sucked out of you. They behave with passive aggression, victimization, blaming others, self-pity, withholding information, withholding uh, things or or ideas, you know, just basically withholding uh, learned helplessness. And then manipulator. They are manipulators, and this manipulation uh, uh, means that they can control victims through positive reinforcement or negative reinforcement. They can use praise, superficial charm, sympathy. Uh, They can cry with you, make excessive apologies, give you money, approval, gifts, attention, that sort of thing. And that's the positive reinforcement that they use to control people. Negative reinforcement uh, is something like, for example, you won't have to pay all those bills if you allow me to move into you, in with you. Yet other means are intermittent or partial reinforcement used to create a climate of fear and doubt. And of course, they use punishment, nagging, intimidation, threats, swearing, emotional blackmail, crying, playing the victim, etc. A sociopathic manipulator can cause you to believe you're going crazy. If you find yourself in a relationship where you think you need to keep a record of what's been said because things keep changing and one thing gets said today and then, no, I didn't say that, and something else gets said tomorrow, or he lies so smoothly and argues so persuasively that begin to doubt your own senses. Over a period of time, this is so eroding, it can distort your sense of reality. The sociopath can make you feel guilty for speaking up or for not speaking up, for being emotional, or for not being emotional enough, for caring, or for not caring enough. The manipulation of the sociopath is a powerful strategy, because most of us are conditioned to check ourselves, and we usually are our own worst critics. If accused of being in the wrong or acting imperfectly, we do whatever is necessary to reduce our feelings of guilt. Mm -hmm. Now, if you met someone... And even just a, a small sample of those things jumped out at you. Right away, you'd be on your guard, right? I mean, you would instinctively recoil and, you know, stop, wait a minute, let me think a second. But something they they developed later on in the book that uh, I think is, is their concept they've introduced. They call the concept SEAT. That's an acronym, S-E-A-T, Sociopath, Empath. A-path triad. Um, it, it's, it's kind of a dynamic they describe. It's really interesting. It's, yeah. it's a, one of the better parts of the book, I think. Exactly. Yeah. 
So after summarizing Laura's just done the characteristics, they kind of give a sample of how mm-hmm. right. all of this would fall into play. We have a call on the line. We're going to take it. Hi, caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, Susan from California. Susan, um, can you Susan, can you hold the line for just one second? Yes. Thanks. We have we have we finally have Tim on the line here, so I'm going to go and get him on on the. Okay. Hi, is that Tim? Hi. Hello. Yes, it's me. Hi, Tim. Sorry, Tim, but, welcome. Sorry. Welcome to the show. Sorry for the uh, problems we were having there. Um, we've just been kind of going through your book and reading a few uh, a few excerpts and, and discussing it. We've been it. stalling for time, which is beyond it. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we finally... Good to have you here. I'm glad, we finally... I'm glad I got through. Thank you. Okay. Okay, Tim. Well, thanks for agreeing to come on today. Um, we really enjoyed the book that you've co-authored with Dr. Jane McGregor. Um, yeah. I've already introduced the the book a bit and Laura's read some from it to our listeners. A lot of our listeners will be more, they'll be pretty familiar with the topic because we've just talked about it and discussed it um, on our website over the years here on Soft Talk Radio and we really like it. It's a neat little book. Um, So I thought I'd, maybe I can begin by asking you, how is it that you you, you began to research this topic? Um, Was it a personal experience? Was it your professional background? Yeah, it was a bit of both. Uh, both myself and Jane, my wife, we've come across this uh, and these types of people through kind of personal and families. And one of the one of the reasons we started doing it was to actually try and help our son who had been exposed to uh, someone who had shown this type of behaviour. So we just started, I mean, because the main thing for us was really to try and help uh, people dealing with these types of individuals. We're not really uh, dealing with the the sort of sociopaths themselves. It's really trying to help those affected by them. And there's not many books like this out there. Often it talks about the the sociopath or the psychopath and not looking at the impact they have and what help can be offered. So we're really keen that we can try and help people out there. Okay, that's that, that's excellent because, yeah, as you pointed out, I mean, a, a lot of material is well, let's say it's geared towards the academic, the definitions, the, the the core of the problem itself, which is who are these people and where do they come from, and what makes yeah. them tick. Yeah, can yeah. we take this caller really quick and see what she uh, would like to ask? Yeah. And, because yeah. I want to come back to a discussion of this this SEAT. Okay. Triad, because I find this to be one of the... Okay, so, Tim, we had a caller on the line just before you came on, so we're going to go back to her, and then we'll come back, okay? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Hi, sorry, was it uh, Susan? Susan from... Yes, hello. Hi. Um, Hi. um, I know too well what you are talking about. I was married to bipolar sociopath abuser who did gaslighting and everything you came from, from it, my children um, came out of it in different ways. And then uh, I could share with you that because I would like to know from the author um, what happens to the children of this. And the next person I met, because I wanted help for my son, um, also uh, someone said I'm empathic. I don't know if I am or not. But the thing is, I met a psychic um, energy vampire 
and um, from it, I was with that person a year and a half, and um, if you can understand it, that I didn't, he, I was hypnotized by the, it's very fast, by being with him in a moment, and then hypnotized on the telephone, and I didn't know, but he brought out the gifts I didn't know I had. So these people are empathic. He, I thought he was a, he had everything to help somebody, but he knew everything what he could use to manipulate me. A Ricky master, an empath. Um, I now think he was a sociopath, um, and he finds people that he uses for his purpose. And I thought he was an indigo child. So they deprogrammed you. So what's your question? Oh, I wanted my question is that um, when a child's gone through um, this form or me, um, how do you overcome it? I, you know, um, he, my kid, my son's what I'm reaching out for is he developed where he um, can't his emotions he's having a hard time dealing with, and so from it you can become ADD or you can become eating disorders or you just yeah, don't know well, understand it. So if you could share that, or if okay. he wants yeah, to ask Tim, you anything. Yeah, Tim, you want to answer that question? Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, there's two parts to that. The first one is we, we've tried to deal with those. I mean, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm so pleased that you feel that you've, you're sort of empathetic, and I'm, I'm pleased that you've managed to get out of that relationship, you know, because obviously the book looks at how you managed to get out. With children, we, we deal with uh, sort of various phases. The first phase, if you're in a relationship with, and your child, you're concerned. We cover things like the welfare of the child. You need to make sure that the child's safe. We look at the kind of how the how uh, cruelty can be put onto a child. We also look at the kind of the, the the relative. So we look at all of those as well. And the thing we then look at is how you can help children move forward. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of things with children in terms of increasing their physical contact. There's some ideas about improved eye contact. There's lots of ideas. You're probably reading the book about ideas about mirror neurons. And it's, it's trying to use empathy and trying to actually sort of develop that and build that and actually get that onto your child. So if they've maybe not experienced empathy, you want to actually, you know, it's like contagious empathy. You want to actually try and do that. So it's, it's you know, we've got lots of things in the book about dealing with stigma and about sort of being bold and taking risks. But also follow your instinct. A lot of time if you feel that, what you're doing is the right thing. I mean, going back to the point you made about uh, you were exposed to some individuals, I mean, that's partly because I was trying to make people aware of if they do come across a sociopath or psychopath, it sounds like you have come across mm-hmm. one who's been playing games. And that what we're trying to do in the book is actually recognise when that's happening. And I can talk in a minute about this, this, this seat in terms of the relationship, because that's something that we think is quite new to actually try. But, I mean, I think with children, there are, you know, there are ways forward. You know, we try and sort of look through, and there are lots of kind of uh, support groups out there. Like, for example, Jane, my wife, uses some of the Facebooks. There's uh, one in particular, the Children of Narcissistic Sociopaths, sort of parent support group that's been very helpful. So there's, I would hope from, from, from this uh, session, there is hope out there. But as I said, if you've got with children, the immediate thing is if you're concerned, check their welfare, check if they've been exposed. You know, there's lots of... Well, we know he has. He's 23 now, and the therapists don't understand us at all. Um, They don't know how to understand it, and he became Uh addicted to other things because of this behavior he was subjected to as a kid. 
Yeah, because we've got that in the yeah, as well. I mean, often people can uh, deal with uh, uh, substance misuse or eating mm-hmm. disorders. And again, we, we look into that. Some of The book's not going to cover all of those specifics about substance misuse, but we try and then point people to where they can get help with those types of issues. Yeah, there's, the, uh, the there, there's a chapter on that, uh, dealing with complex family situations in the That's book. Right, and there's yeah. also a, an appendix of useful addresses where you can yep. make contact and you know start your research for getting help. That's uh, it's really kind of you know part of the book. So, so we we absolutely. we would re- really recommend that you get this book. It's not a big book. It's not an expensive book. It's really easy to read and it you know really drives home some important points. So. Uh, Yes, yeah. I think it would be a good starting point, Susan. A very good starting point. Well, I'm learning now to keep away from that behavior, but what good thing I want to share with one thing that came out of it with me after being a year and a half with this person is that finally when I heard the the voice of my ex-husband in this individual, because they're very good at deceiving you, but what came out of it after I was got out of the addiction, because I was enchained by this person for that many years, not you know physically, but enchained by your mind, that yeah. I see the truth in people. So um, it's just hard to explain to a therapist different things. What you They just won't get it. It's just That's what you're, right. you live with afterwards, that you get it, I understand it. Even if I read your book, I would say yes, 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 yes. Yeah. But mm-hmm. how do you sh- explain it to other one, people so that, you you know, they understand your kid? Because your kid, it's, it's hard for them to understand it. And even if they do understand what their dad did and accept it, it's how to get over these emotions inside you and understand that you couldn't do anything about it, and you know, and well, you just come out of it a certain way. He is twenty-three. I mean, maybe you yeah. should get him to read the book too. I mean, he, reading a book is not of... something that is what comes out of it. He, um, it's emotional, and when he gets this emotional emptiness, right. if, uh, if you yeah. understand that a hole inside you and you feel it up with different ways. Um, food, yeah, sure. and then binging, and yeah. yeah, and then marijuana, and it could be shopping, it could be anything, it could be sex, and OCD. All of this comes from what people yeah. don't realize, that when you're surviving something, you act one way. When you're free, yeah. Oh, yeah. all we, these things try, come up. What, what we try to do as well is we do take something, similar things from other sort of psychological addictions. We try to bring some of those uh, sort of... Uh, Evidence-based So we look at preventing relapse in terms of mm-hmm. your judgment, looking at high risk, looking at identifying your moods, new ways to deal with these things, looking at habits and routines, looking at triggers, becoming lots of those things that we touch on. And again, if people need more, but I mean, it could be the therapist as well needs to, <laughs> needs to uh, understand this as well. And, we, and that's yeah. part of it, trying to make people understand that we need to build, and uh, not just individuals, but society, we need to try and build and make people more empathetic to actually try and help, you know, the carers need to be understanding this as well. So yeah, did your son get over it? That, I mean, is it so I want to know there's help there? I mean, he, he was subjected to it, it. Is that what happened? I mean, I don't mean to get uh, too personal with you. But. No, no, no. I mean, I, I, that's what I've tried not to sort of get into too much personal details. But, no, I mean, you know, from, from the experience we've had, what we've had to do, and we'll probably touch later on these interviews, is sometimes it's actually to reduce the contact with these individuals yes. and to put very clear boundaries. And then once you've done that, is then trying to actually sort of manage yourself internally and help your family. So we've sort of really tried. If you can, 
you know, it's kindness and caring and empathy. That's what we want to build, and that can then bring about. So if someone has been exposed to these individuals, empathy can help bring, you know, bring them through and bring them uh, uh, to a more positive outcome, you know. So, I mean, we're absolutely, we've, if this book can help in any way to move people forward, that's why we've done it, you know, it's really just to see if we can help, and I really hope that it can help your son as well. I mean, Thank we've got you. people that, we've got people who have been on the, one of these Facebook groups that we've shared some of these chapters, because we use a lot of specifics of cases. Yeah, well, I wouldn't mind that if you put somewhere, um, if you put your information, because I've met other people that have this, and the thing is, this is like, uh, the thing is when you, after you've gone through abuse, physical, mental, and any of this behavior, when you you bond with other people, you're, you, you, you vibrate it. And so those people yeah. can you're, you know, and you don't realize it. So people come out of it wanting to help others like myself. And there's others who know how to be more um, manipulative than, 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 they come out of a different way. You understand that? They, they, these, the, the victim may become, or a person that gone through it can become a manipulator, or but a spiritual and losing trust. Because when a child feels, um, the, a parent who acted that way towards a child, it, they have a very hard time to trust somebody or a woman who's gone through it meets a spiritual person that you yeah, trust them yeah. and then you Susan. lose your trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this, this book's really to try and identify those people and then how can you spot them, how can you avoid them, how can you remove them from your life and then how do you move forward with your life and that's what we're trying to do. Well, for me, I don't let people touch my hand anymore. That's what happened. They t- he touched my hand. And he caught my energy, and that's pretty much org. Okay. But, you know, it's not just touch. You can get into a person's mind, body, voice, yeah. anything. Right. Yeah, okay, I'll get off. I'll let you. There's other Thank people you. probably want to talk. Thank yeah. you so much. Thanks, Thanks for your call, much. Susan. Thank you, Okay, Susan. Take bye-bye. Care. All right. Thank you. Tim, Tim, we actually have another call here. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and take it because they've been waiting for 11 minutes. They seem to be yeah. – they seem to have persistence, so – I'm going to reward that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, hi, caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, I'm hello? not sure if you're... Hello, are you yeah, talking I'm, to me? I am indeed, yes. Okay, it's Patricia. Uh, to, to the previous caller, uh, I'd like to say hi, that, uh, you know, trying to tell someone that you were a victim of a, a narcissist or a psychopath, whatever, uh, most people aren't going to understand it. Uh, I think she'll get most support talking to people that have been through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason I'm calling is, uh, uh, you know, I was in a relationship with someone who was a narcissist, and uh, it was pretty traumatic. Uh, uh thing is, I learned a lot from it. But from, you know, looking into it and all, I, I realized that uh, on a global scale that we have what they call those corporate psychopaths that are actually running the economy. Uh, you know, the Wall Street people and that kind of thing. So it's a much bigger thing. These people, Absolutely. Uh, you know, get into these corporations and, uh, you know, they rise to the top of the thing because they have no fear. Mm. You know, they'll yeah. they'll do a, you know, billion-dollar, you know, short sale or whatever they do uh, yeah. and mm. to make a lot of money. So they're ruining our economy. So I think it's vital that people understand what these people are capable of. I mean, they they can ruin, you know, a relationship. They, you know, can damage your trust. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm getting over that, but <laughs> uh, they can also damage the pe- country. Yes, they, they're, they're, yeah. This is what's happening on a global scale. This is what's yeah, wrong absolutely. with the economies, 
and the EU and all that kind of stuff over there. So it's yep. you know much bigger thing than just on an individual thing. But for people who've been through it, I think they'll get the most from uh, other people who've been through it. Because I tell yeah. some of my friends what I went through, and they wonder why I stayed so long. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and that's not going to help me, you know. Uh, no, yeah. It's, so I've tried to educate that's... them somewhat, but yeah. you know you're you're just going to get kicked by your friends if <laughs> if you tell them some of the stuff you went through. Yeah, I think that highlights one of the things, though. One of the things we're trying to do is to, to try and understand when people do put their head above the parapet and say, this isn't right. And that's the, one of the key parts of the book, is we do need to encourage people to say, hang on a minute, this isn't, this isn't right. We need to be doing something about it. Now, obviously with corporate, that's more difficult, but we're still trying to identify where we think there's a social path and how we can actually spot them and actually what can we do. Now, some, some individuals, you know, it, what we're trying to do here is trying to understand how can you work with them. Now, obviously, we need to make society much more sort of empathetic, if we can put it that way, and actually more considerate and caring. So we actually have a more equal society. But, you know, even when you were talking there about your fr- talking to your friends, sometimes that can be described as so the friends. We talk about this thing of the seat about sociopath, empath, and apath. And often, sometimes, people are apathetic, sometimes blinded. They don't want to see what people are doing. They maybe don't want or are worried about actually putting their head above the parapet. And that we find there's a, a big proportion of the population are like that. So sometimes people don't want to do anything because they just want to keep the things the, the same. And that's where, a lot of time, this interaction happens. But I can talk about that in a, more, a bit more detail in a yeah. minute. Yeah, we're gonna, is that, is that we're okay, Patricia? We're gonna we're gonna get into some stuff here. We really okay. haven't had a chance to really get into some details yet. This, uh, but yeah, thanks for your call. Really interesting. Okay, and and let, let me, All right, bye. Let me give a little thank introduction, you. Tim, here on this topic because I want to get you right into it as quickly as possible. Uh, earlier in the book, uh, they write about the uh, the story of the Emperor's New Clothes, and Absolutely. as all of you. All of you probably know the story, which is that there were a couple of con artists who came to a kingdom at some point in time, and they you know, claimed that they were uh, they could make these wonderful, fabulous clothes, and they spent all this time doing it and producing you know, basically nothing. They pretended to be sewing the air and and cutting garment, you know, cutting yeah. fabric and so forth. So they made the emperor's new, you know, and the whole thing was based around the fact that. Uh, the emperor and these self-assured con artists, you know, first of all, they, they completely duped him. And since he was in a position of authority and they were authoritative in their speech, uh, it was basically, if you can't see the emperor's clothes, then there's something wrong with you. And the only person yeah. in, the, in the kingdom who actually had the courage to say that the emperor is naked was a child, who, you know, who just saw it and it was obvious. So this uh, this story that they've got, or this idea, is about the the uh, sociopath, apath, empath triad, and all of those people who would be going along with the con artists, the sociopaths, yeah. and the you know the emperor who is kind of the authority figure, would be the apaths, people who don't who, who go along with who who don't well, care enough. It might even Go ahead. be, if I don't mind, it might even be more the kind of the the, the rest of the population, because obviously what what in that it was a hand Christian Anderson sort of fable was 
that if you can't see the clothes, then you either must be stupid or you're unfit for your position. So everyone is worried about, right. well, I can't see anything, so uh, am I unfit for this or am I stupid? Uh, so what you're right, actually, what the little boy was, we think, would describe as the empath. He was the one who actually had uh, the kind of courage to stand up and say, everyone thought, oh, the king, the emperor looks wonderful. And he said, no, he's got no clothes on. Now, what we're looking at is the, the idea uh, with the kind of seat is the kind of the social path. Is, if we describe it just briefly, the social path, we describe it as someone, a very loose term for someone with no conscience or very little empathy. I mean, a zero empathy, to be honest. And sometimes we talk about they are humankind's minus the kind bit. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there are well-known ones. We then talk about the empath, who's someone who's got a high level of empathy, who sort of sees the situation for what is and challenges it. But they often can be at risk of being targeted by the social path because they see them as someone's challenging them. Because social paths, some of your colleagues might say, they might lie, they might sort of make up things because of no empathy. They don't have a conscience. They can, you know, manipulate and uh, have superficial charm. And then... The other bit of this triad is the apath. And what we describe as apath is people are sort of apathetic. They're either blindsided or they're anxious or maybe fearful or they lack of interest and about concern for the person who's targeted. So you might have... And the, the social path, we say there's maybe between one in, one in a hundred and maybe, you know, uh, four in a hundred, I've got this... Then you've got the other of the spectrum, the empath, who's got lots of empathy, and then you've got the majority of the population in between who they pass. And they pass are the kind of the people in the crowd of that the sort of emperor's new clothes who, you know, don't want to, you know, they don't want to be as stupid, so they say, oh yes, your clothes look wonderful, and uh, the little boy is the empath who says, no, he's not clothes on. And to have, you have to have this kind of triad here, and this is quite new, and we're trying to actually say, how can we make, and the challenge for this book and for society is, how can we make the APAS, the majority of the population, actually uh, be more aware of the issues and actually and looking at that interaction between the social path? Because often the social path will try and bring together the APAS and sort of try and get them as their sort of foot soldiers. And uh, often when the empath does challenge, the sociopath is already trying to get some of the apaths who might be fearful. They might be fearful about their job if they maybe want to challenge their boss. And we need to actually try and get them to say, you know, and it's fascinating. Again, literature, we all love to see the, 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 the person actually challenging things to actually say that's wrong. But in society, quite often, a lot of society doesn't challenge that. We might describe ourselves as the apaths who are, who are not wanting to do anything out of fear or anxiety or that the social paths bullied other people into believing them, if that makes sense. Well, so uh, I would like say that uh, the description that he kind of gives reminds me of Bob Altemeyer's work on uh, authoritarian followers. Um, and he did an extensive series of research Are you experiments uh, on what he called right-wing authoritarians or people who just sort of go along. And uh, he did uh, just great, great books. He's got a couple of them, Enemies of Freedom and... Uh, the Authoritarians. The Authoritarians. Are you, are you and, familiar uh, with that, Tim? 
No, no, that was the, 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 the similar things that the Milgram ex, uh, experiment, where they actually, you know, oh, when they yeah. looked at uh, people giving people electric shocks, and often people, when they're actually uh, being told by someone in authority to do something, even though, the, mm-hmm. you know, we, we cover the things, the ethics in the book, but often when people actually, someone in authority says, you have to do this, it's fascinating the amount of people, and that, they could be the APAS who actually been told you have to do this. So they actually go ahead mm-hmm. and give people those electric shocks in that experiment because they're told that they have to do that from the... Yeah, the who, who did that experiment? Milgram. Milgram. That's that was Milgram, Milgram, yeah. 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 And there's the... Was the was it the Stanford prison experiment? There, mm-hmm. there was a couple of them, but all the yep. kind of took the work. Uh, he took out of he their took hands. that work and took it to the new, the next level, yeah. talking about exactly what you're talking about, which is these uh, these APAS. And I just find this to be fascinating because you've got here in your book it says, uh, you know, the APAS is the type of person most likely to do the sociopath bidding. Being apathetic in this situation means showing a lack of concern or being indifferent to the targeted person. Uh, Apaths are an integral part of the sociopath's arsenal. I think that's extremely important. And contribute to the sociopathic abuse. And sociopaths have an uncanny knack of knowing who will assist them in bringing down the person they are targeting. And you know this this triad that you've described. Where, where did you did you guys just come up with this yourselves? Yeah, we were just, it was just actually I was sat at our dining table at the moment, and it was we were having dinner one night, and we were trying to think about this. And the key thing was thinking about because, as I said at the beginning, the book is really to help is help those exposed. So we're trying to think what we knew uh, uh, people who were very empathetic. We had come across people who were sociopaths. We were thinking, well, what do the rest of the people do? So we came across, and we just think this is quite a good way of understanding. And what we can do is then how, not just individually, how can we help the APAS, but we need to help them actually. And all of us will have these understandings. We'll all be in groups of friends or family who we can see perhaps similar roles. And how can we help the APAS and the, the empath sort of fend off and manage the sociopaths and uh, and a lot of time through the book, it's actually empathy can help to build. You know, we, it's, it's contagious. You know, we can actually the more empathetic and help, it can help with the sort of apas. But we need to help. And there's a fast, we've based a lot of this the idea of uh, the sort of spectrum of empathy, and people can move apas. No one's fixed on that. Now, some people think the social paths have no empathy at all. There's a bit of studies looking recently, but they might be able to switch on, but that could just be acting. But the majority mm-hmm. of the apaths can shift where they are. They can move along the spectrum. They can become more empathetic, and that's part of this. Is one of the things towards the end. We were talking about children. Mean? It's actually trying to, trying to teach, teach, teach children in schools how do you become more empathetic. Because we never mm-hmm. don't teach children how. So hopefully that will then deal with some of the. I mean, obviously this is sort of sort of idealised, but if we can try and get more people actually in the kind of APAS, and we've described the sort of APAS are about probably 60% of the population, and then you've got the mm-hmm. the, the sort of the, the sort of extremes at the other end. Mm-hmm. Do you think that uh, the APAS can actually be taught empathy in the way that you're describing, or do you think that they would simply, in the same way that they follow the herd now with a kind of psychopathic elite, do you think do you think they would simply follow a benevolent leader and do what society does, or would they actually learn it from the point of view of 
being able to actually, you know, uh, create or manifest actualize actual, it actual, independently. Actual well, empathy with them. Well, people, a lot of the sort of scientists now are looking that people can move and change, and we are trying to look at. We've been thinking about this in terms of society as it becoming sort of more empathetic. People are becoming less tolerant of violence. There's a lot more challenging, and there's a lot more kind of social justice. So people, mm-hmm. I think, are becoming a bit more empathetic and are thinking more about other people rather than in the past. I mean, even thinking of uh, things like, uh, which is terrible, the kind of child sex abuse. Maybe 20, 30 years mm-hmm. ago, people wouldn't challenge it, whereas people in the UK and I'm sure other countries are much more challenging mm-hmm. now. And actually, mm-hmm. that might be people are more are, are putting themselves into those situations and say, this isn't right, I need to do something mm-hmm. about it. But when I was growing up, I mean, I'm in my, my 40s, Often, you know, there was, you know, there was stories. People might not actually talk about those things. So, you might. I mean, I suppose that's one of the, the advantages of your programs. Is that is society becoming more more empathetic? I think it might be, and we are, as I said, because we're sort of more tolerant and we actually are thinking more in terms of kind of gay marriage. There's lots more of the people being much more uh, thinking about the kind of equality and about. Uh, all those types of things. There's lots of things going on here, but we go back to your original point. I think we can help if we we have to talk more, and that's one of the reasons that if anything comes out of this book, if we can get people to talk more about, about empathy, what it means, and saying can we can we build on it a bit more, then that that would be great if we can get people to have that dialogue. Because at the moment mm-hmm. we don't, people don't really talk about that very much, you know. And as I said, that people don't even talk about it at schools and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. I think if we can get more people to talk about it, then hopefully that can all be a good thing. Okay, we have another call here, Tim, so I'm just going to go ahead and take it. Yeah, yeah. Hi, caller, what's your name and where are you calling from? Hello? Hello? Caller, I know you're there. No, I think they're gone. No, they're still there, but they're not answering. Oh dear! They put the phone down and walked they away. Put the phone no, they down got, they got, they got, I hope I've not, right not put them off. <laughs> no, they, no. I think they got tired of waiting. They were holding for about eight minutes. In uh, do we have a caller? No. No, we don't. No. Okay. Okay. So in the meantime, Tim, um, related to the to the problem of apaths, um, yeah. would you say there's some kind of you know, there's a division between people who are born apath. Um, for example, they never cared really about others when they were children without being uh, psychopathic themselves. And those who were made apathetic by the fact that they had suffered, have suffered a lot of trauma or they really, really paralyzed by fear, et cetera, because sometimes it's, I don't know what you think, but it's kind of hard to, when you... When you look around and see people who don't seem to care, no matter what you say, no matter how much suffering they see around in the world, and there are, yeah. on the other hand, those who start caring, whether uh, they learn about psychopaths from direct experience or or they realize um, what's going on in the world from learning about it uh, at a, from a larger yeah. scale point of view. What do you think about it? Is it can people be born apathetic and others change? No. I think the thing that I'll bring back to that is this idea of rather than sort of dealing with the kind of the, the terms is the 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 empathy spectrum and there's there's lots of ideas around at the moment about how you know people sort of learn and how they actually sort of understand and you know what what we I suppose what we 
trying to do is get people to understand uh, if you're concerned, in the book we do look at that, if you're concerned, if, you're, if you've got a child who might be showing some of those, now there's lots of kind of uh, diagnostic, but what we're trying to say is what could you do? And we give, we give some advice in the book about if you, because I suppose what you need to do is a parent needs to identify that within their child to then do something about it. Now there's some ideas about, you know, having more positive contact, having better eye contact, because there's lots of various thoughts in the moment about this idea of mirror neurons and about people learning behaviours. And I suppose with children, do they learn how to react to another by learning from their parent? Now, if their parent doesn't show any emotion and has no empathy for others, does that mean the child would then learn that way of responding? So then the way of changing that is for the child to learn more about empathy and actually to be shown empathy and to actually have more kind of... uh, you know, what they just, <coughs> some of the kind of research is around better eye contact, better uh, contact, you know, so there's, there are, we try to find ways of how do you move uh, children forward. So we're trying to describe what the, the thing is at the moment in terms of having the sociopath, empath and apath, but how do you actually shift that? So we have more empaths and less. Yeah, so would it be true, would it be true to say that uh, instead of taking a, a kind of top-down approach, which a lot of people take in terms of combating the what's called the psychopathic elite and the evil of government, the corrupt government, etc. Instead of attacking yeah. it at that level, you're talking about trying to change it from the bottom up by creating, by, by appealing to parents to be more, well, to well, teach their so children that, that, to spot so these things. Yeah, but also society as a whole does need to understand that you know, there are those people out there that were said from the very outset there are sociopaths with no conscious and ability, we need to be able to spot them and how do we actually then manage them uh, in our own lives because the thing to remember is often because of their conscious and no empathy, they're not going to change how do we individually change, how do we respond to them and how, do we, how does society respond to them because if we are saying there is no conscious, no empathy, they will just keep doing what they're doing. But we as a society, well, how do we respond to those? Well, going back to the uh, the story of the emperor's new clothes, uh, one of the problems I think we are facing is the fact that society itself, our social uh, construction, our social standards, uh, the way governments are set up and, and bureaucracies and so forth, uh, they're all um, psychopathic or sociopathic to a great extent. So that corresponds yeah. to the emperor himself being taken in by the yeah. psychopathic uh, con job. Well, I, wanted to, I wanted to say something earlier on that because um, Jim there was saying that society has become more empathic and one of the reasons he listed was um, that they, people have less of a tolerance for violence. And uh, I was I was going to say that well in a certain sense I don't I don't know if that means that they're more empathic. I see that people are more um, what's the word for it gun shy in a certain sense. They 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 can't handle violence at all, and they just don't want it to happen. But you know they don't want it to happen in their town. It's it's more like they don't care if it happens somewhere else. Yeah, it's not here. It's it's not really about being empathetic. It's about not having their lives interrupted or disturbed with yeah. something. You know. They don't want to be but stopped could, from what they're describe, doing. Yeah, that describes, in a sense, the apath. So that fear, they, you yeah. know, that is they might not want to challenge because they're fearful. They don't want to change because 
it's like if you've got a difficult boss, one of, we give quite a few examples where you've got, uh, uh, in the school environment, work environment, you've got a difficult boss, do you want to challenge them? Are you worried about losing your job? And it's the same thing with society, because obviously society uh, might have, you know, the government as well might have a kind of, do we, do we challenge, do we challenge that, you know, and I think, you know, that's part of this book, is that dialogue and for people to think about, uh, think about challenging what we're doing and, you know, to try and see, can we have it differently? Can we have things a different way? Well, I, I did also want to point out when we were talking about whether or not apaths can be taught to be empathic, that um, Altemeyer did do a study in that vein, actually. Um, he put these people that he called the authoritarians. He uh, measured yeah. them before and after they had participated in kind of like um, a more liberal uh, college environment yeah. and, and sensitivity environment and tested them after, and he saw that there were positive results. And then yeah. he actually repeated the experiment where he followed up much later, and he found that actually once they had left the environment and been back into the authoritarian area that they had basically reverted exactly back to their... Mm-hmm. their so they their respond to the environment more than anything else. Yeah, it's, like what Tim is saying pressure. is this, like, um, you know, better contact, with eye contact with people, better emotive contact, looking at people's faces, seeing, detecting emotions, um, seeing people express positive emotions. It does kind of rub off on them, but, of course, once they reenter a negative environment, um, then those negative kind of sociopathic you know, narcissistic things that, you know, make them apathic, apathic again, that they just don't, yeah. they can't deal with it, they fall back into yeah. it. So obviously continual exposure is probably the most important thing. At least that's what I kind of get. Well, it's like, yeah. I, th- I think yeah. the chief thing about them is, is that they want an authority uh, who is going to be responsible for them and who sets the example for them. Right. And, you know, whatever authority is, is present is the one that they're going to follow. And if they don't have... Uh, a good example, if they don't have a benevolent authority, then they're going to follow a negative one. I think that they fall into yeah. two groups as well, you know? You go ahead, Tim. And what, yeah, and one of the things, you know, is to try and to, to build up, you know, is there's lots of practical steps as well to, to try, because I, I take you know, some of the points you're saying in terms of actually the, the environment, but we still do need to actually... Recovery is possible. That's one of the things we try and actually look at. It's one of the recoveries used in lots of other areas of sort of health and social care. And we're trying to say, you know, we're trying to pull in examples from elsewhere where we can see it actually work. You know, so we're looking at... We want, ideally in the world, we'd want to have more empaths. We'd want to build up those. So we try and find ways. So it's how do you deal with day-to-day stuff looking at, as I was talking to one of the callers earlier, looking at preventing relapses, looking, looking at all these high-risk situations, all of those things, and then dealing with the fallout, you know, and if we can try and, it's a step process, it's going to take a long period of time, and there's lots of people looking at this, but what we're trying to do is looking at how can the individuals, now, we can look at, we can help look at the scientists, looking at what they're doing, but we also need to look at how can we help the individual day-to-day who are exposed to the social path, and how can they, because one of the other things we were concerned about is often people have, with particularly lots of mental health problems, who have probably been exposed to sociopaths in the past, and there's a huge impact on the health community and the health uh, provision. So we want to actually try and help people so they're not ended up becoming unwell, both sort of mentally or physically. Well, that's the that's the beauty of this little book because it is it's like sociopathy 101 for the average person who is 
suffering in a situation they don't understand. Uh, it lays everything out in clear, plain language. It gives uh, wonderful examples. Uh, the name of the book, again, is The Empathy Trap, Understanding Antisocial Personalities. And you it can get t- that on Amazon, right? Yeah, you can get it on Amazon, I'm pretty sure. And you can... Uh, it talks about... Uh, it just covers the whole spectrum of things and it de- uh, talks about dealing with family situations. What do you do if you have children? Uh, how to identify it? How to get yourself out of it? Uh, how to recover at the end? Um, dealing with the stigma because that's a, that's a big thing. A lot of people who've been in a uh, in a sociopathic relationship, you know, they're kind of like shell shock. They've got PTSD and they want to talk about it. I mean, it's it's and people don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear them talk about it. They uh, they blame them. They shame them. That's a big part is the blaming and shaming. And yeah. uh, so this little book really really gives some good pointers. I uh, I don't I don't think anybody would regret buying and reading it because it is I it is it's, it's, excellent. It's one of the best. Well, thanks very much for that. I, yeah. I, I think our first caller, Susan from California, she she sounded kind of shell shocked. You know, like it was so it was so yeah. raw for her. Um, that she was saying, "Well, yeah, okay, get the book and read the book." But how do I fix it now? How do I fix it now? Because she's still in that stage, right? I think if you're still listening, Susan, I think something that would be a top of my list would be to find. Uh, a good psychotherapist or counselor yeah. who is aware of the, the scale yeah. and the depth well, of this issue. Yeah, and she said her son was in therapy, and I don't know if she is as well, but if the therapist isn't working, look for someone else. And also, uh, we would probably recommend anybody that Martha Stout recommends, because she has a list, I think, in the back of her book, The Sociopath Next Door. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's a... Uh, yeah. A pointer, you know, for maybe a better therapist or a list of better therapists that are more. And Sandra um, Brown as well. And Sandra, Sandra, yeah, Bra- Sandra you, Brown's books as Tim, well. Tim, have you have you read Sandra Brown's Women Who Who Love Psychopaths? I'm not aware of that, but that we, we are looking at similar types of issues as well, because we actually are looking at uh, writing up something else at the moment around with 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 families as well and looking at women. So that's something that we'll I'll take away and I'll look into that. Yeah. Yeah, we had her on uh, what uh, two, three weeks ago, and we had a, a a pretty good discussion because she did an actual study uh, and found that there were many traits in common uh, amongst yeah. the people who got taken into a right. sociopathic relationship. That they uh, scored very high on this and very low on that, yeah. and, and that these these traits actually exactly matched, or you know, in a complementary way. The traits yeah. of the sociopath or the psychopath, which is a fascinating thing, because it's, it's almost as though uh, the sociopath targets the most empathic. Yeah, that's what our seat sort of the triad is, because often right. they can they will target those uh, because they either because they are challenged or they see them as a challenge, and as it can be a game, you know, that they actually can. Yeah. You know, and often when we people are empathetic, we've you know uh, come across people who actually, uh, because of that, actually not seem to attract social paths, but actually it's probably because they actually are challenging. They kind of we think maybe when the social paths talk initially might be lying or 
manipulative that they actually are the the empath challenges them and as I said that's that's what this book's trying to actually look at and often then the sociopath can can come back to the empath and they're not happy and then the apath the rest of us can be brought into that and sort of uh, and the sort of empath often is the what the targeted one so you know there's similar similarities what you just described there and what we're doing and it's actually how can we and I suppose that's what we're trying to do is how can we help people identify they are being exposed to a social path that they actually are being lied to and they're actually dealing with something like that trying to spot them and then do something about it well if you don't know Sandra we can arrange an introduction and you guys can you know, chat, yeah, chat, chat across, across the Atlantic there and uh, absolutely that'd be wonderful topic. yeah on the topic of victim selection you know I've always sort of looked at it evil seems to always want to, you know, they always have, you know, these stories of like the, you know, the evil satanic priest, you know, always wants to sacrifice the virgin type of thing. And I think that they actually even intentionally seek out empathic people because it, it's almost more fun for them, I think, to crush somebody like that than it is to do like an apath. I mean, it's not really about yeah. the easy thing. It's it's the game. They want to game you. They want to win. They want to... They they want it's the excitement it's for the them. excitement of, of corrupting and harming someone who can be harmed, whereas the apath is just sort of like the shell shock and however you yeah. poke them, they just know. Absolutely. I mean, we talk about you know the social path. I mean, there's, there's lots of things. There's the superficial charm, but there's the need for stimulation. Yeah, it can be a game because and because they don't have any conscious. They, you know, it's just a game for them. They can you know they can lie, they can manipulate, and often they are then doing that with a person who does have empathy, who does care, who does actually. Uh, whatever these things, and it is, as a, you know, some people describe it as a sociopathic dance, you know, that, you know, and uh, you know, absolutely, we need to help people, and that's really the, that's what I mean, because we, when I come from a sort of healthcare background, and it's really our passion is just trying to help people to actually manage those situations. Do you teach classes? Uh, no, because this this book's just this is uh, it's just come out in the last. Uh, Two weeks, but we are looking at uh, providing some training to professionals and how to do right. this. In the UK, it's not really there's very little actually being done on this. So we are looking at uh, providing training, uh, and that's what we're looking at over the next couple of months is how we can manage that. And I'd be interested to know from yourself and anyone else if there is anyone else doing similar type of training. San- Sandra uh, is doing that. She uh, she has programs that uh, go in and teach uh, police. Policeman, how to recognize the signs of this kind of abuse. Uh, she yeah. teaches uh, social workers, social workers uh, legal professionals, judges, lawyers. Uh, even goes into hospitals and, and teaches the hospital personnel how to, you know, how to counsel, how to recognize these sort of things. She's got uh, she's got I mean, some pretty good I, programs. No, that'd be good, and, and that's what we're looking. At. I mean, that's one of the points of the books as well. Is hopefully to get. You know, we're trying to get it as widely as possible to all of those sort of health, social care, but also, you know, in prisons as well. You know, in terms of uh-huh. people, so they can understand uh, those types of behaviours, because obviously the prison population has a kind of higher than a higher than the, the sort of the, the normal expected levels of sociopaths. You know, so we need to get those in prisons as well as out in the community to do that. So absolutely, I mean, and again, that goes back to what I was saying. We need to make sure society as a whole is actually having that conversation and actually talking about empathy and talking about the uh, and the impact as well it has. I was just when I was when you were talking earlier about you know, and a lot of these people with the the shame, the anxiety, the kind of fear of others that can when you've started looking into this you can actually start to see this in 
lots of other people's, and you've got to be careful, you know, it's sort of, uh, you don't think all society is like that, you know, it's just trying to help people actually uh, identify it, and, yeah. Well, something you've pointed out in the book is the the way this is almost formulaic, uh, how sociopath, apath, empath triad actually sort of how it works as a, as a kind of a di- dynamic, you know. So first of all, the sociopath does or says something evil. The yeah. empath the empath challenges the sociopath, um, and then it's back to the sociopath who throws others off the scent and shifts the yeah. blame to the empath, and only then the apath plays his role by corroborating the sociopath's perspective. Now, what struck me yeah. was that there's a kind of a formula to it, and it, you, you, you've said that it's nearly every time that you see it, it gives this, if it this follows is the way it, plays. Through, it plays out the same. It's almost like the pathology is, is so predictable. And that, yeah. I think, is... Uh, it's quite shocking. Well, it's a valuable insight as well. It's valuable, it? and that, that, that's a great learning There's tool, interesting a learning we, tool yeah. for people to become aware of. It's that we, we go into this, because my question, I had a question kind of on this thing. Um... Uh, Tim, have you ever have you ever read any of Cialdini's work? He's a social psychologist from Arizona. No, again, that's another one. If you can if you can give me the details, I can look in, yeah, yeah. We can look at that as well. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is, is uh, I, I read sales salesman literature. You know how do salesmen manipulate people? And yeah. he's a social psychologist who studies how uh, salesmen, high pressure salesmen, manipulate people into to buying goods and stuff. Yeah. And he breaks everything down to a lot of mechanical things that, that work on people consistently. And, of course, he's not talking about psychopaths and sociopaths, but if you just sort of take his stuff out and then you apply it, you can see there's a lot of mechanisms. As he talks about, like, the uh, authority and social proof, which is kind of what you're talking about with the apaths. The sociopath yeah. collects apaths with them to corroborate them so that they can basically – social proof somebody, gaslight them by getting cooperators from... Yeah, they have their own traveling, you know, uh, yeah. clappers, so to say. Yeah, and their superficial yeah, charm. Yeah. Taldini talks about it as the likeness game. Uh, I'm like you, or you like me, and, you know, I make myself likable. That superficial charm game is an entry, yeah. and about how people start committing to things. They become, they want to become consistent with themselves, and they don't want to waffle, so they... Once they've become the sociopath's friend or, or agreed to do something, they're less likely to back out, and the sociopath can kind of press them and things like this. So it's kind yeah. of like an interesting I mean, little book from that perspective. Yeah. You might get some, when, uh, you yeah, might get some insights just, for your next book. No, no, absolutely. And it just triggered me there, because when you've, you've mentioned gaslighting several times, and that's exactly, yes. I mean, you'll be familiar with what is the, that? With this, and this idea of that kind of, you know, when, and we can see that similar pattern, you know, to the sales, but also in terms of friendship groups, where there might be, you know, that, that three phases of ideal, idealization, you know, where they're very attentive and charming, and then they sort of move into the sort of devaluing phase, and they can be, and then they sort of discard people, you know, and you can see perhaps that's, you know, that kind of technique similar to the whole kind of gaslighting effect as well, and people actually using that, becoming very charming, trying to get people on board. And then actually just going through those other phases, you know, just to get what they want out of that uh, relationship. And uh, Lobachevsky kind of reverse of blockade that he talks about is also kind of in the gaslighting area. Yeah, um, things, that, that's that authority and assurance. Yeah, um, but the whole like refusing that the truth is the truth and insisting that a lie is the truth. Yeah. That reverse of blockade of, of Lobachevsky. 
Tim, there's a description of gaslighting in your book, and you talk about the gaslighter and the gaslightee. Can you explain to our listeners what, what gaslighting is? Uh, it's, I mean, it's from, as I said, it's just those three stages. Obviously, from that film, it's trying to actually uh, uh, doubt, what we're trying to describe it simply, sort of doubting someone's own sanity. It's actually trying to, sort of, in that sense, not brainwashing, that might sound a bit harsh, but it's actually trying to actually get people to believe. Now, obviously, in the film it came from, it's around the sort of the, the, the husband trying to actually make the, the, the wife seem as if she's. Um, and going Crazy. mad in one sense, you know, in terms of actually, uh, and it's, you know, we, we describe, what we try to do is, like, we try, we describe in the book as a sort of a systematic attempt by one person to erode another's reality. And we do bring, oh. give some examples of uh, modern day scenarios where we actually, uh, and as I said, it's trying to actually, uh, you know, for as I said, to, to sort of erode someone else's what, the, what they're thinking, trying to change, trying to make them think they're actually going crazy and that there's the strange things happening to people. And mm-hmm. it's a kind of uh, sorry. You, you, if I could, if I could jump in for a second, I, I think the movie was instructive. If I remember correctly, what the husband did is there was a gaslight, and he kept reducing the gas and dimming the lights, and then denying to his wife that it was happening, and she kept saying it's getting yeah, dark, sorry. it's getting dark, and he kept saying no, yeah, well, it's perfectly what, uh, fine. But the whole time he's turning down the gas and the light to make it dimmer, <laughs> and he's walking around acting like everything's fine, and she's yeah, well, that, that, she's that was the point. Yeah, that he was trying to convince her that she was crazy, and yeah. she kept reporting there were strange things happening in the house, like there was dimming of these gas lights. But what yeah. happened was it was the the husband was in the attic doing some sort of dodgy activity, so he was actually and that was <laughs> affecting it as well, you know. So uh, but again, oh, yeah. it's quite there a common go. thing that's quite well. And often when you describe it to people, people actually say, well, no, that's happened to me. And I think if we can yeah. try and get people to look at these case studies we've put there and actually think, well, that, that sounds familiar, then that might hopefully then trigger them to say, well, that's happened to me. What, what, you know, why has that right. happened? You know, so yeah. I think often it's just giving that kind of a awareness to people. And as I said, that's, you know, if we can try and get people to think about those relationships they've been in and actually think, has this, has this happened to me? Yeah, I think what we've seen that just here on the show, we've had two people call in and go, oh my God, yeah. that's exactly, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. People will understand for, for all the confusion or whatever about terms. And, uh, and nobody's really paying attention. They are listening at, because they have direct experience, so they can yeah. go, well, that happened to me. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah go on. And here, here's, here's, the, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say it can happen in any relationships. We're saying it with, yeah. we give some examples within parents and a child or between siblings or, you know, groups of friends or work colleagues. You know, it happens. Uh, and, you know, it's trying to actually, for people to see that it's actually happening, it's affecting our, our sense of reality and we can disbelieve what we're seeing and we're trying to get people to see that, that they actually, mm. uh, something's been happening to them. Ah, yes. I was, uh, sorry, I was reading <clears throat> your book. <laughs> I, I was looking at this a uh, little bit on page 26 about gender differences. And yep. uh, this is something that does bug me uh, because it is, it's really true that there hasn't been much in the way of uh, of any kind of serious research on gender differences and sociopathy or psychopathy yeah. or other 
types of disorders. I, I remember reading one study where uh, it was being proposed that uh, women who were diagnosed as bipolar or with uh, borderline personality were just a variation on psychopathy, that they were sociopathic uh, conditions. Um, But but anyhow, you know, I mean, that's still all up in the air, and they're still arguing about it everywhere. Uh, But it (laughs) says here, yeah, it says, the harmful potential of some sociopathic women can be overlooked. Um, And then it says... From the available literature, and this is what I find interesting, it would seem that when women direct their aggression towards others, their victims are generally those within their domestic sphere of control, a partner, a family member, a child, a friend, work colleague. And then it says, much of the harm or aggression carried out by women involves manipulation of or damage to Peer relationships through aggressive competitiveness, withdrawal of friendship, ostracism, overt bullying, telling lies about the victim uh, to promote her rejection by others, and other acts of interpersonal aggression, which is being uh, being des- described in uh, in contrast to what men do, because their aggression is basically to damage uh, the victim's sense of control. Uh, male aggressiveness is more visible, more likely yeah. to result in arrest and punishment than, than is the case with women. Uh, yeah. So this this means that uh, women probably are, I don't know if there are as many as sociopathic women as there are men, but this description of how they bully and dominate, uh, you know, in social yeah. relationships. Uh, would you say that that's kind of their main way of doing what they do? Well, I think we're trying to we're trying to show that there are dif- there are differences uh, in terms of how people are, uh, how people responded to, and we're trying to make sure because when often you describe this, if you just talk to the general public about sociopaths. Often people, as I was saying at the beginning, have this idea it's this kind of a criminal male who's in prison, who's committed these horrible horrible crimes. And it's not the case. We're, yeah. And a lot of the case studies we've got are trying to actually give uh, cases of women. Now, we're not saying it's more or less. Some, some of the studies earlier on, looking at the kind of the split, say there are more men. But what we're trying to do is trying to get people to understand uh, that the, some more social women are overlooked. There's, we've we've tried to link with a, there's an academic called Caroline Logan uh, based in Liverpool who's looking at uh, the, these issues with sociopathic women and we're sort of trying to develop that. Now it's not a kind of a and it's trying to sort of see how how these people might be missed or might be uh, uh, overlooked because of how their behaviour might be slightly different. It's not any different in terms of the lack of empathy or how they're reacting, it's really just how they're interacting within families and society. And it's just far too easy. And I think, that of this book, I think we'd be really keen that people don't overlook women because often they can be causing harm just perhaps in a different way to, to, to male sociopaths. So we well, just need to be sort of mindful of where they are out there. I always have a problem when people sort of like start talking about sociopaths and psychopaths and 
and yeah. and they always attribute to them violence, and I think the violence is mm. a symptom because it's more available to men. I mean, you know, it's not really strong physical violence is not always uh, an option that's available to to a female psychopath. She won't get yeah. so yeah. much success with with, if, yeah. with what they want because. You can't pick something. They want to win. They want to win, yeah. and they realize that the a man realizes that the strategy to winning is a physical intimidation of people, and a woman's not going to be as physically intimidating, and so she's not going to choose that outlet. But violence yeah. is kind yeah. of like a, is one of the choices they make, but it's not yeah. intrinsic to them. And but then what, you would that's still. That's what, but, but, yeah, that's what we're trying to do in the book is trying to challenge that. I mean, absolutely. I don't. I, I don't. I would say that's a kind of stereotype. I'm not saying that's what. You know, the, the, that's what we obviously hope in the book. We're trying to challenge that and to actually right. say, how can we actually identify those women as well? And particularly, even the two two callers you had was around individuals and having having children and exposed to relationships. You know, you've got two women who've called. You know, so again, we just need to be actually making sure that that uh, we're looking at that, that widely. You know, that that is just trying mm. to sort of understand what. Other differences, uh, and again, we're trying to sort of uh, some of the case studies is not case studies. The sort of scenarios is actually to try and uh, uh, get people to understand it is across the whole male and female. We've had uh, on other shows when we were on the topic with other guests, we've had a few men yeah. called in and told their stories. Mm-hmm. So. It's it is becoming a little more widely uh, accepted, but uh, yeah. I you know I want to ask when you when you're dealing with the woman sociopath uh, this dynamic that Neil just uh, described from his notes that he got from the book this uh, what what is it again the, they start with uh, it's, it's the triad word. They, the first move is made by the sociopath. And what do they do? Yeah. Okay. Well, it, 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 what I want to know is, does is this the way it works with women also, even though it's in a social setting, rather than in a a setting that well, may ultimately lead to violence? Well, that's what I'm saying. One of the examples we give is around sort of withdrawal. You know, with women, it might be not in terms of manipulation, but withdrawal of friendship or ostracism. You know, uh, overt bullying. It could be sort of ostracizing. Someone within the playground environment, you know, not talking to them, getting talking to others about that individual, you know, there's the kind of the playground politics, you know, and we've got some, we're trying to draw in some of those uh, examples from other kind of social groups as well. So it's, uh, you know, so it's, it's again, it's trying to, to identify that we have been exposed to a social path, that there's the kind of, in terms of the A path, they might actually, the social path's actually trying to get. Uh, the the sort of the rest of the group to actually uh, go along with what they're saying. It might be you know in terms of the the bullying you know they 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 might have done something in the a local town or something and the and the sociopath then tries to get others in the community to uh, sort of uh, on their side. So when they actually are using that manipulative behaviour, that the others are saying, oh that must be right. And in fact, you no, know, the the empath is the one that stood up and said, no, this is wrong. So you can, you know, we're, we've got examples in the book as well where hopefully, and when we've shown these examples to, to others, people think, well, I know someone like that, I've got a friend like that, and I've, got, I've seen that happen before, and it's just trying to get people to look at it differently and not imagine it's the old stereotypes of the kind of the male. When you talk about sociopaths, it's not just men. There are, it's across all of the kind of both sexes. There's another taboo that you challenge in the book, Kind of indirectly, but I think you, you might be able to clarify it for us. 
there is a case study of 15-year-old James yeah. as a sociopath. Now, yeah. that begs the question, can children be sociopaths? <laughs> what would you what would you see? <laughs> well, obviously we're in that corner. Uh we think that uh well it depends on on how you're using sociopath. Yeah. You know, there there's a lot to be said for nature and the development of these various conditions, but then there's also a lot to be said for nurture, how the individual is raised. And because, you know, people say, oh, they were abused as a child. Well, way more people are abused as children who do not turn out sociopathic than those who do. Mm So there's got to be something in the nature. Yeah, we're, and that's what I have to, to touch on. We've tried not to get into too much in terms of the kind of the, or the not the science, I don't mean to, to minimize that, but to try and actually look much more at uh, how to respond to that. Now, as I said, there are some, so they're saying if children have not been exposed to the kind of, you know, if they've had, a, you know, maybe a sociopathic parent and they've not been exposed to showing empathy, then they might show that as well. Now, there's quite a few examples of giving the book around children, but we think there are children that don't that don't necessarily have, uh, you know, that have lower levels of empathy, going back to the kind of spectrum, and it might be because of how they were brought up, it might be because of some kind of physiological, I mean, we've, we've tried not to get into too much, because that's not our background, but in terms of the, uh, there is studies going on around kind of uh, the sort of brain uh, physiology and those types of things, but I mean, uh, there are, you know, we are trying to look at uh, sort of callous and emotional traits within children. We've got a section in that in the book uh, where it does start to look at antisocial behaviour, which is there. And there are cases where that is there. And I suppose using that example is just to say that how do, I mean, the good sums, how do schools respond to those types of behaviours? Because if they're not teaching about empathy in schools and then someone is actually showing that, now, some of these cases are uh, are based on sort of, uh, not real life, but there's kind of a collection of various kind of uh, stories that we've been told or observed. So they're not uh, they're not fantasy, you know. They're ones that we've seen. So how do we Absolutely. respond to that when we have children who actually, and you know, there are kind of a uh, you know it's, it's linked with stuff around the conduct disorder, conduct disorder, and you know we're looking at a lot of these kind of uh, we, we cover things there as well. How to, how to identify those children? How to uh, uh, move forward and as I said there are some sort of theories about how to take it and we've uh, and there's section what? in there about you know no. uh, h- how you can sort of uh, manage those um, Tim do you deal with when, you, when you're talking to people about this and trying to bring awareness of sociopathic behaviour especially among children and stuff do you broach the topic of that there in some cases of so- certain children depending on the behaviour, uh, that it's basically a lost cause? <clears throat> well, no, I mean... Because, let me just give you a context for that. Sorry, I'm just gonna, I just want to finish that. Because what came to mind was um, the story uh, several about, it's a good 10 or 15 years ago now, uh, of G- I think it's Jamie Bulger. I think you mentioned that's that right, in the yeah. book here. In the UK, yeah. And this was a uh, the him and a friend. They were they were only seven or eight, six, six, six years old, six or seven years old. Yeah. 
And they basically more or less tortured and killed a two or three year old mm-hmm. um, in Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, it was so ago. horrible. I just can't. And yeah, what? I, but I, I mean, stay awake at night. Listen. I mean, what kind of abuse could such a such could two two young boys like that have experienced in a home environment that would lead them to mirror that if it was simply learned behaviour? And surely there are other yeah. children who have who have equally bad uh, childhoods who don't do what those two yeah. children did. Well, I always remember the story. Go ahead. No, no, on you go, please. What? No, 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 go go ahead, Tim. It's you. No, 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 you're going to say a story, sorry. I interrupted. No, I interrupted you, so I'm I'm the one who's uh, in the wrong here. (laughs) Uh, I was just going to point out, it reminds you... <laughs> time lapse. <laughs> time lapse. So I was gonna say it reminds me of the story of the two brothers. You know, one of them goes to visit the other brother in jail and says, "You know, why are you in here?" And he says, "It's because you know, Dad was a drunk and he, he beat us all the time, and you know that's why I'm in jail." And he says, "But look at you, you're a successful lawyer. How did? Why are you that way?" And he's like, "Because Dad was a drunk and beat us all the time, and I didn't want to be like him." Yeah. You know, so it's it's, it's all about the person and not so much about mm. the situation sometimes. Well, I sp- and exactly, and I think that's probably what was at the very beginning. Sometimes we might not necessarily know why the the adult or the child is behaving that way. We need, you know, it's like if they are, how can we identify those things, those types of behaviours, and how can? Because there's lots of uh, academics and scientists looking at all the kind of the 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 environmental and the kind of physiological reasons, and that's not really what we've looked at. I mean, that's and that's not our area of expertise. There's others who are more experienced in looking at why something. What we're trying to understand is trying to get some kind of framework. And if we have got those uh, children who have got those behaviours, what can we actually do? What can be done? And, you know, there are some suggestions and ways of doing that. You're right, there's no X equals Y, so let's deal with X, you know, because there's lots of variances in terms of... I mean, I come from a mental health background, and there's huge kind of... It's impossible to say this equals that, but... You know, we've, we've tried to touch on some of the kind of thinking, some of the kind of uh, research behind it, but it's very much in terms of practical steps of what can we do. And as I was saying to one of the callers earlier, there are certain sort of techniques within the book where if parents do can have good concerns, but also how are schools challenging those behaviours, how are teachers challenging it? In the UK, where we're based, uh, it's, it's, you know, I don't think it's been challenged at all. I think if those uh, children aren't sort of... Those, behaviours aren't being addressed, which I think they aren't, then what's been done? Is there any help being offered? I think it's a really big problem, and I think a lot of people are going to be glad that at least you have addressed the problem uh, in your book, because I think there are parents who deal with this, and somebody needs to put it on the table and say, this is a problem. Um, this is yeah. these are some suggestions for what yeah. you can do about it because uh, uh, we've got another call here. I'm just going to go ahead and take it. Okay. Hi, Hello. Oh, what's your name? Hi. Where are you calling? Hello, from? my what's name you? is my name is Zoya. I'm calling from Belarus. Okay. Hi, Zoya. Hello, Zoya. Uh, Hi, Zoya. Yeah. Hello. Uh, I have a question. Uh, yeah. What one can do to help a person who was relationship with a psychopath or the clearly psychopath traits and uh, she went through a serious crisis that led to an almost nervous, nervous down uh, just to end up uh, in a very quick succession in a relationship with another clearly pathological person or maybe she even got back to the same one because 
you know, I'm, I'm not sure this part is, part is unclear because he's, he isn't sharing a lot. But uh, this person uses the same control games on her. Obviously, it takes two for tango, and she plays her games as well, you know, emotional and stuff like this. But it's because she's literally un uh, under his spell. I know this person. I live with her, and I see her every day, and I can clearly see that she's a changed person. And even if she says that she's the it, she can't do nothing much about it than to react in a mechanical way. And she's a very outgoing, social, and good-looking girl, but in this case, clearly chooses to lose her self-respect over this guy. And I know him. I saw him, and he looks, you know, like he looks all shiny, smart, and uh, honestly creepy. So the question is, can someone do something in such case uh, when I care about this person, and it's really worrying me because I know that she will end up with another breakdown, So you want to know if there's something you can do to advise or uh, Help. Wake, yes. your, your, wake your friend up because she's already had a nervous breakdown as a result of a relationship and now she is in another relationship or uh, back with the same guy and heading for another nervous breakdown. Is that it? Yes. I mean, have you spoken to your friend? Have you been able to speak to your friend about this? Well, uh, I, I actually study in a university and I live in dormitories. And uh, it's my roommate. And she, uh, when she uh, was done with her, when she was done with her boyfriend, with the previous one, uh, she, she changed completely uh, her behavior, everything. She was not only crying every day, but she was uh, basically she had a nervous breakdown. She was shaking. And she was all with bruises, as if he was, you know, hitting her. But I think maybe there is something else involved. I don't know. But she was completely like a completely different person from what I became to know her, you know, during those two years that we are together. And right I mean, now she's she's being and uh, you know she behaves past like she was addicted. It was like a like a love rush, you know, like a love bug. She she was all on, on hormones or something. I mean the first thing I think, you know, is to try and help them identify that that there's abuse there's some abuse taking place. So that's why I'm suggesting this trying to find ways because obviously they might be feeling very confused or bewildered or feeling anxious or shameful about the situation or or fearful of these, or fearful of this person. So, we need to try and find techniques to actually try and help them to identify and recognise something is happening. Yeah. And what are, do you, are there any specific techniques, Tim? Well, I mean, we've got. I mean, there's things in here in terms of if you do, if you have to consider them. I'm not trying to flog through the book. You know, there's things in yeah, here. Yeah, no, go ahead. But that's the the key thing I think is to try and recognise that it is happening. And I suppose with you, with your with your friend, it's actually trying trying to find ways. And it could be, you know, it's difficult to t talk about detail here, but maybe just trying to reflect back if they've actually expressed some concern or anxiety that maybe just using sort of simple counselling techniques like reflecting back those anxieties to your friend might be able to help to build uh, and to help to build and understand that uh, they, what they're thinking you know, similar, you know sort of 
sort of simple counselling techniques using reflection and uh, those types of techniques. So if, if they voiced any kind of thoughts around or any anxiety or anything about what's happening, reflect that back to them, trying to get them to recognise there's maybe something not right here. Mm-hmm. Are there any books well, uh, on this kind of uh, technique? Sorry, I missed, I missed that. Can you Are there again? any books that describe this kind of technique? Well, we, I mean, then within this we do start. But I mean, it, it's, it's simple counselling techniques. You know, it can be sort of simple, uh, sort of cognitive behavioural. We have got some techniques in here. But again, the thing is, how can you help your friend actually uh, to identify that something is happening? So as I said, it could be for them to even just, or even if they're listening, just take a few notes in terms of if, they, if someone is saying something to them, and then actually reflect it back. So it might be. Can it, the caller, does, does your friend actually express any concerns about what's happening? Um, well, she does, but you see, the problem is that she uh, she she has some sort of uh, psychological problem where uh, she sees it as uh, validation of herself because uh, she basically worries about how she will be accepted, you know, accepted if she will be accepted if she is loved. Everything. Like yeah. She does everything for him, so it, it's a, it's a sort of compensation because it's like she yeah, needs it think, for for, for yeah, herself. Yeah, and the thing is, we need to for for any of those, we need to try and identify for them to identify that there's some not something wrong, but there there is some abuse or something not right taking place. To then, you know, so as I said, it could be trying to actually reflect back some of those. Concerns, because obviously they're going to be very, very fearful. Uh, there could be stuff. I mean, even going onto the internet and finding similar stories, or looking at books around uh, this one or other books as well, trying to identify maybe a similar environment either within this book or within a kind of magazine where you might be able to take that to them and say, "Look, this sounds a bit like you, a bit the similar situation to you." So, trying to look if there are other things out there that they can actually, uh, you know, sort of. You know, sort of, because if they just see it as themselves and no one else, but you know, it might be that just looking at elsewhere to see if there are other people in a similar situation. Or a movie. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Because I thought that as long as she's not um, not expressing, you know, like not sharing with me that she sees something wrong, it's it's like it's not my my place, so to say, to fear and point it out to her. No, I think I think it's fine. I mean, uh, to try and actually, you know, if your friend been able to actually, you know, been able to highlight those things and just express concern, and and again, this goes back to what the whole book's about is empathy. You know, that you're, you could just say to them, I'm just a bit concerned about uh, what's happening, and you know, and given some examples of, you know, just a couple of points that, you know, because again, if you've actually, you know, that that could be a real opportunity in there to actually show that you've got that compassion and understanding and that you're concerned could then give that would then start that conversation of actually well maybe I'm a bit concerned about this or you know because again looking at if you've known her for a while looking at what she was like before in other relationships there's a times where you could talk about what she was like in the past and what she's like now um, from what I from what I understand from reading the subtext of this situation is essentially that until she at least starts having an inkling that something's going on what you're talking about is doing battle with him more than trying to do anything with her because until she sees 
that something's wrong and says it for you to reflect back, as Tim's saying, until she, like, you know, starts to say, wait a minute, I'm in trouble, I need to find something. Until she's looking for that, you're not going to make much headway because you're going to be doing battle directly with him. If that's something you want to get into, yeah. fine. But, I mean, I'm not sure I would really recommend yeah, that. Yeah, but stories, books, movies, yeah. you know. Exposing, yep. her, yeah. exposing her to similar situations, yeah. Indirectly to things Actually, that would make her friend. think. But yeah, she, she lost friendship because of him and because others see this as well, you know, like. But the thing I would say here is that in terms of bring the compassion into this, show compassion to her. And she, because she might feel ashamed about the situation, she might have some insight that she she might feel ashamed that she's in this situation. So it's showing that compassion, uh, and, and maybe just again, it could be that he's you know as we're talking earlier, she's been gaslit by the the person. So we need to have uh, she she might you know be doubting her own sanity again if she's got mental health problems in the past. She might be worrying that that's happening again. So if you show some compassion and empathy, and as I said, looking at what she was like previously or in, you know, different conversations, you know, that might help to actually then start her to think through some of the situations she's in at the moment. Well, or, um, or, or, or find someone like yourself, the caller, who actually well, has, who is understanding and actually trying to, for you to share your experiences as well, maybe in a similar situation. Well, the interesting thing is, is Cialdini uses this exact example when he's talking about how people get manipulated, and he uses the example of a woman who's being abused, and she leaves the man, and suddenly she starts doing really well, she gets a new job, her life's all good, and then the guy comes back, and he convinces her that she, he's changed, and she goes back with him, and you know it's not a week later that he starts you know beating her again, and this went on for a very, very long time, and he started getting interested in why it was that she was with this man. And uh, he found that a lot of it had to do with the social pressure around the person. That yeah. once they've made the choice to go back, once they've made the choice, and once they've told their friends, oh, he's, he's changed or he's better now, they'll do anything to conceal the fact that they made a mistake. They won't want to go back on what they've said. The shame factor. <laughs> the shame factor is so powerful for them that they will actually... Yeah. Put makeup to cover bruises, wear long sleeve blouses, as the song goes, mm-hmm. to to hide the fact and to conceal from their friends the depth of what's going on and how yeah. to get out of that. You know, of course, Shadini doesn't really have anything to say on it because he says it's really a pickle that the person is in now because yeah. it's their own mind that is keeping them in the abuse. And it's until yeah. they actually come and say. I realize it was a mistake until they can get past that, that, that social pressure, that guilt. It's yeah. really hard what, unless you can what we try, draw them out. What we, try, what we try to do is always bring in stuff. I mean, there's similar things like addiction where someone actually might recover from addiction. And we talk about trying to bring this idea of preventing lapse or relapse. And, you know, lapses in your judgment or high-risk situations or, you know, and finding ways because they're sort of, they can be seemingly sort of... Uh, Incidents. It might not necessarily uh, seem important. It might actually get you back into that behaviour. Maybe someone might drop you an email, or you might be curious. You might want to know what what's that person doing now, or you might look at them on Facebook or Twitter, and that then might, or you might drive past a house, and you could easily slip back into a similar situation. So we're we're trying to get, or if you're or if you're in a having a bad week, you might think, oh, you know, you. 
you might want to go back into that. So we look at high risk situations and about you know the habits and routines and trying to get people aware of the triggers that might get you back to a situation you're in in the past. Because the thing is, we can people might get through this, but we don't want them to go back to it next year or the year after or the year after. So it's trying to identify all the triggers that might be potentially getting you back to those behaviours. Yeah, there's a. There's a. I just want to tell the, the listeners that there is a chapter in the book, uh, The Empathy Trap, called Coping in the Aftermath of a Destructive Relationship. And it has uh, several chapter headings, Witnessing Sociopathic Abuse, Dealing with the Draining Effects of Trauma, Shame, um, Coping Emotionally, talks about the stages of grieving, uh, Denial, Anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, uh, dealing with anxiety, stress, and anger in the early days, uh, pressing the pause button, gives some tips for tackling stress. It has a whole list of things you can do to tackle your stress, relaxation exercises, uh, dealing yeah. with frustration, um, venting. Uh, venting yep. means releasing pent-up feelings of anger or getting things off your chest. Uh, then it talks about how to reduce venting gradually. And then how rumination is not necessarily good for you because it involves dwelling on or right. thinking deeply about the thing. Yeah. Basically, this book yeah. is, is really something you've got to get Yeah, it, 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 this, this book got so many, so many it, it, know yourself. And then there's lists, Absolutely. there's checklists. Mindfulness, uh, how to control your ruminating time, uh, what to do when the stress and anxiety aren't shifting for you, uh, dealing with the traumatic memories. These these are just priceless bits of information. Uh, how to establish boundaries, regain control of your life. Uh, oh, here's a good one for the caller. Is it ever advisable to tell someone they are sociopathic? I would say rephrase it. Is it ever advisable to tell someone that they are in a sociopathic relationship? Yeah. There's diagrams, the recovery process, and this is the the beauty. Coping day to day. Establishing personal boundaries. Limiting contact. No contact. Preventing lapses in judgment. This is a big one. This is a very big one. So yeah, this this book is just essential reading. It's it's the empathy trap. You can get it on Amazon by Dr. Jane McGregor and Tim McGregor. It's uh it's it's like a little handbook for people who need some some practical input. The ABCs of dealing with this situation. Um, something that's been really lacking actually in the literature because of course there's all kinds of interesting theoretical stuff. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of different books that describe a lot, of, but this is this is basically it's it's not focused. On these extensive analyses of psychopaths, sociopaths, narcissists, borderlines, blah, blah, blah. It's about, you know, people who get into these relationships, what happens to them, how to get out, and how the heck to cope with it. You know? Yeah. So it's, um, you know, I was I was actually very pleased with this book because it's something that's really been needed. And this one is one I don't have any hesitation recommending highly to all our listeners. And, oh, thank uh, you. That's very kind of you all. So. Well, it's it's a really nice it's a really nice book. And you got to understand we have we have shelves full of 
books on this topic. We we have an entire library. We've probably we have we have over ten thousand books. I think at this point. Yeah, at least. Um, and right. uh, this is this is one of those books that was uh, just so it's so easy to read and so 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 fun. It it well I would I don't know if it's fun so much, but it's easy to read. After reading like all of these other books on well uh, yeah okay and narcissism <laughs> and and the worst ones are the, are the scientists who are who who want to spend you know thirty pages nitpicking some particular detail and you I just want to get to some. I of the think solution. it's fun to learn about it in the sense that this is a topic that is. Is really harmful. Has harmful effects on people, but it's also fascinating. I mean, if it's really it's true, really if it's really true that one in what twenty five percent or something, oh no, sorry, one in a hundred, even if it's one in a hundred, it means you know one in a yeah. hundred, which is this conjecture. I mean, lot, it still means three million people in the states and about seventy million yeah. worldwide. You know, it's a you know, and there was, it's just one of those things. You think, why is it not being tackled? You know, just mm-hmm. exactly. Just, and it causes so much damage to society. Absolutely. Well, I think one of the best things about the book and what you're saying here is that um, it's actually liberating. It might not be fun, but it's very liberating. And, and the examples you're given are are really something that people can relate to. And a lot of the times people lose interest in the topic because they think, well, this is about politicians or, or serial killers or whatever. People. And when you get to examples, whether you're dealing with a sociopath or not, when you get to examples of concrete manipulation, something that really yeah. affects you in your life, yeah. and it seems that from the approach you take in counseling, you're doing just that, you know, taking people through the various steps where they can recognize what's really, really going on in their lives, which therefore hopefully will take them to a point where not only they can they can get out of difficult situations and heal, but also take it start seeing the bigger picture and how these sociopaths, these people without empathy affect the entire society because they can easily, more easily extrapolate what happens in their, in their, home. In their home to what's happening in society than doing the reverse process of seeing mm. something that seems far away. Yeah. Absolutely. So and that's, that's, that's something that really is really good in your in what you're saying and, and uh, you know, this type of literature is not just the abstract concepts. or the, Yeah, the stories are good. Oh, that's good because it was a, it was a bit of an unknown because you, when you're trying to describe those situations, you know, and trying to understand because it's obviously in different different countries and different cultures, but the stories we've tried to put in are just ones that, as I said, they're generally t- true stories that have, that we've come across and and just trying to get people to think. But the thing that we found most helpful for well, for us as well is people say, "Well, I can recognise that. I can." see myself, I can see my friend in that situation, yeah. and it then means that, well, at least they've identified that there's something not right, and it, it, it then means them to start thinking, uh, and if they can support friends or family, I mean, as I said, we've done it, you know, to, to try and help, you know, that's been the, the main driver for us, is trying to help people, that there's some things here that have helped us, uh, and if, if and even there's a couple of callers that you've had tonight, if we can, if they can just move forward in some way, that'll be the book itself will have done what we if it helps one person, what I'm trying to say is I think we'd be happy yeah. uh, you know <clears throat> Alright, Tim, I think we're going to end it there, I think we've covered uh, most of what we wanted to cover I just want to thank you for being on the show and thank you for writing the book along with uh, Jane and um, well, thank you, the, thank I'll you for the having a chance No problem, the name of the book is The Empathy Trap Understanding Antisocial Personalities and that's about it. 
So um, thanks to our listeners. Thanks to our callers. Hope you enjoy the show. We will be back next week. Good night, all. Good night. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Have a good evening. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Then. Take care. Cheers.